You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Yeah, my wife and I, we, we run the, the Pathfinders ministry. If you don't know what that is, we believe God calls people into more than just, you know, preaching and ministry and missions, although those things are critical. We actually believe this is an hour where, you know, God's calling people into every sphere of culture calling people into politics, uh, calling people into arts and entertainment and sports, calling people into the media space, calling people um, into education, calling people into business and finance and healthcare. And really, he's called us to be salt and light. Remember, um, if you remember the first miracle that Elijah did, uh, they approached him and said, this land is beautiful, but it's unproductive. And so he, the first miracle that Elisha did was he threw salt into the well to restore the productivity of a good land. And, and just please understand, like, Jesus comes a little bit later and says, you're the salt that I've thrown into the earth to make it produce again, make it healthy again, make it productive again. And so just understand, that's part of our role in Pathfinders is we believe we're the salt of the earth, that we're supposed to bring life and productivity and health into every major sphere of culture. And we do have a, a Pathfinders conference coming up in November. You do not want to miss it. I still remember, babe, two years ago, we were here, and, and we were a part of a very fast-growing company. We actually own the fast-growing company. And anytime you're a part of companies that are growing fast, they have cash flow challenges, and we were in the middle of cash flow challenges. And, and all of our solution problem-solving power was going into paying bills. No fun. No fun. No fun, no fun at all. And so I would, you know, after a while, you just get tired of the pain of bill paying. And, and you'd want, you're, you don't mind solving problems, you just want to solve a different one. That's where we were, okay? Just being shooting with you, okay? And, uh, uh, and so Pastor Jurgen was preaching on a Friday night at our Pathfinders conference two years ago, and we needed to come up with two million bucks. We were growing so fast, we just couldn't handle the speed um, and the cash demands of our growth. And I was, out of, I was out of solutions. Like, I didn't have an answer. It's not that we weren't working. It's not that we weren't trying. It's not that we weren't fighting. It's not that we weren't doing everything. We had just run out of the ability to figure it out. And I was just tired and needed help. And Pastor Jurgen's like, there's, there's a grace in here to help you with whatever you need. And I was like well, we're leading this conference. Can I go up there? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was the first one up there. And we didn't know you needed, like, catchers at a business conference. But apparently God likes to show up in the marketplace too. You know what I mean? So I was the first one. I hit the deck and uh, went up for the cash flow miracle. I didn't know that was one you could approach God for, you know. I thought I had to have like a broken leg or a headache or something. You know, I didn't realize he does, he does more than that. I guess he does. You know, I, man, imagine that, a God that can do more than just religious stuff. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, what was interesting is the next morning at 4.30, my CFO woke up in Seattle with a vision for cash flow. She didn't even know I was at the conference, but God prays for us in our desperate situation, crying out for help in our time of need. We're, we want to do business. We just don't have the ability to do it. 
And she wakes up and texts me a picture of this full whiteboard of how we're going to figure out all of our cash flow. And I'm like, God, you are so real. So, you know, you might not have a cash flow issue, but I imagine there's something that God would like to give strength and wisdom and strategy for. Maybe you need to be at the Pathfinders conference. Maybe you need to let God into your everyday world. Maybe it wouldn't be that common if he was in it. Nobody, nobody can make common things uncommon like God. In fact, sometimes the most holy things that people will ever experience is God showing up in your common. Remember, it hides his treasures in jars of common. God actually wants to reveal his glory to the world through something as common as construction or education. Let's go. Let's bring him in. Let's show the world the God we serve. Amen? Well, I didn't come to talk about that, actually. I feel like uh, God's been really speaking to me about this season, and we're in a, a series called Grateful. Grateful. And it's kind of a play on words. It means I need to be appreciative, thankful, probably coming up onto Thanksgiving, potentially. I don't know. Maybe. But I don't know about you, that, but I realize that God is trying to get my life full of his great. But the way and the mechanisms that he gets greatness into my life is hard to be thankful for. Because he utilizes this four-letter word called pain to get greatness into my life. But I don't like pain. Doesn't pain come from the devil? Sometimes. It's not who it comes from that really matters. What matters is who I give it to. Because if I give my pain to God, he can make great things out of bad things. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about pain. The message uh, that God's given me is um, great growing pains. Anybody growing just a little bit? Feeling the pain of it? Let me say this. If you're pain adverse, in other words, if you don't like pain, you are also growth adverse because there is no growth apart from pain. And to the degree that you would like to grow is to the degree that you need to experience pain. Remember the old shirt? No pain? Ah. Yeah, we're one of those churches. We're not a church that's just going to get you feeling good. We're going to get good into you and through you. Amen? Are you ready? It's okay. Well, let's start in the Word of God. We're going to start in uh, James, James 1. First chapter in the Bible I ever memorized. Had no idea. <laughs> you didn't know that, huh, sweet? Uh, okay, let's start. James 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for 
great joy. Remember, we're going to be grateful. Therefore, I need to discover great joy in the troubles. Okay. Let's keep going. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I want you to know, God is trying to grow you, mature you, complete you, develop you, get great into you. You know, you were engineered initially to be remarkable. You and I, according to Ephesians 2.10, are his workmanship, his engineering created in Christ Jesus for great works. That means he predetermined and pre-engineered us to function, be productive, be powerful, be extraordinary, that we would be great in the earth and be great ambassadors for him and be a blessing. But the way he brings us into that engineering, that intention, that creation, that workmanship is through pain. Can we talk a little bit about pain? Here's my prayer. This will be the most painful year of your life. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you get a revelation of how good pain is for you and how important it is for your life and your development, you will ask for it. I know that's a crazy ask, but this is the 12. I heard people in the 12 are like, sign me up. Easy job, not interested. Hard job, I'll take that one. Difficulty, adversity, easy road, I'm good. High road, I'm in. Okay, well, let's get started here. The first, the P in pain, the P in pain is process. I need a great process to get a full value. So let's, let's jump in the word again. I'm trying to do this without notes, John. Pastor John likes it when I preach without notes. I don't know why. Dude, but I, I kind of need them. I'm sorry, dude. I know we got this thing going, but I'm going to disappoint you today. <laughs> Painful. Let's go to Malachi 3, verse 1 through 3. Now, please know this. Malachi is quoted a lot here during our offering messages, but there's more in the book of Malachi than just tithe messages, okay? It actually defines God in the book of Malachi as a refiner's fire, as a person who comes to process precious metals. And otherwise, you, you and I ha are precious in God's sight, but he needs to refine us by fire in order to bring the value out of us, okay? Great process for full value. Let's go. Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple to come to awaken church. Please understand when God comes, he doesn't just come to comfort. He comes to develop. He comes to bring the gold out of you. He comes to develop your value. Okay, okay. the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let's keep going. But who will be able to 
endure it. Wow. When he comes, who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines me, metal. See, I'm his workmanship. He's coming to refine his workmanship to bring the full value out of it. He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. Let's go to the next one. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites. Now, the Levites at that time were the priests. I want you to know, anytime you're a leader or a pastor, you're first in line. You're the first person that needs to put your hand up and say, God, come, come and work in my heart. Come and develop my heart. And, and just please understand this. If you have a longing to be in ministry, my wife and I are ordained. Basically, you're putting your hand up and say, come and bring the pain to my life first so that I can lead some people. Because the first thing that, that pain and fire will get out of your life is self-orientation. The worst type of leader on the planet is a selfish one. A one who's leading for their own purposes, for their own intentions. And one of the things that I've discovered about God is he's, he will come after your self-orientation. Yeah. It's funny because it, I remember when we first got here, I knew, I felt God had put a gift on my life to preach. I just didn't realize that the cost to preach, the pain, the things he needed to get out of me so the gift was pure. There's gifting and wiring in you, but your life needs fire so that gift is pure. Otherwise, you might use the gift for yourself. How gross is that? What if the gifts and the gold that were in you were for others? Refining them like gold and silver so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Please understand this about God. He loves you. He's amazing. He's got great plans for you. He's engineered you to be remarkable, but he is determined to bring the gold and the value out of you. So if you look at gold, uh, one of my good friends, Mike Butcher, was telling me this, that uh, there's, different, there's different valuations on gold. There's 18 karat gold. Not bad. Moderately valuable. 75% pure, 18 karat gold. Then there's 24 karat gold. 24 karat gold is 99% pure. That means, that means that there had to be the process of removing more dross from pure gold. But is pure gold, is 24 karat gold more or less valuable than 18 karat gold? Far more, and far more rare. And one of the things that you please, please we need to understand is that God wants to make you actually rare. He doesn't want to make you common. He wants to pull the rarity and the value out of you, but he uses the process of refining. Now, one of the things about gold and precious metals is when, he, when you heat them up, they soften. They soften. They soften so that they're more moldable, okay? And Mike was telling me this. It was super encouraging. So you can thank Mike for this when I share this next point. The reason he has to heat you up is so that he can beat you and, and shape you into, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if he's going to put you on the anvil, you need to be soft and pliable so he can hammer on you. Thanks, Mike. 
Thanks for, I thought I was already fine with the level of pain that we were experiencing here. But now it's not just heat, now it's beat. So some of the dross and impurities need to be heated out of you. Some of them need to be, is beaded a word? Beaded out of you? Anyway, uh, let's keep moving here. Uh, Proverbs 25.4. Remove the impurities from silver and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. In other words, before you're crafted into something useful, the impurities needed to be removed from you. Do you want to be crafted for something useful? Or would you prefer to be average and common? Unusable by God to bring value to your business, family, culture, city? I feel like God needs people who are valuable that he can use in culture, in life, everywhere. But the process of him revealing and bringing that value out of us is pain. Okay? It's all right. Let me keep moving here. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 12:6 now. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. And I was thinking about this as it pertains to value in us because most of the promises of God, get this, come in the form of a person. That means if a person is going to be a promise from God for your life or mine, that means God must have done something with them to prepare them to actually be a blessing. I want to introduce my extraordinary wife, Melissa. Can you stand up? Beautiful Melissa. The greatest promise in my life, the greatest hands down promise in my life is Melissa. So, but, but this is what it says. The promises of God have to be purified seven times. And so before she's ready for me, she has to go through fire, testing. For us, we both came out of divorce. We both were broken. We both were dysfunctional. We both, so 17 years we've been married now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is no one that's checked all my boxes like Melissa. No one. No one even close. So is that God's faithfulness? Or is it God's faithfulness connected to Melissa submitting to the process. Because you can't, if you get to know her, you'll know there were some, there were some fires she had to stay in. Instead of getting out of, she had to stay in them. There were some poundings, thank you, Mike Butcher, that needed to full form and mold her character and heart to be a promise. I hope I'm, and pray that I'm a promise for her, I believe I am. I can tell you this, the work that God not only has done but is doing, is doing. Yeah. Melissa and I lead uh, Pathfinders, but I'll, I'll tell you something. We have a girl that works with us named Hallie. Hallie, you stand up. Listen, listen, listen. You, see, here's what I want you to hear. For you and I to step into all that God has for us, we need his promises 
to accomplish his will. Melissa and I have this great vision, these great dreams, this, to start this great discipleship program called PFA, the apprenticeship. Ah, oh, the future. The future of Christianity in America is in PFA, I'm telling you. But, but in order for us to realize this dream, God had to bring us a promise in the form of Hallie. Uh, here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. Who's waiting for you to be the promise? Because my Bible says that all his promises need to go through fire. What if you decide, I don't like fire? What if you determine, I don't like pain? I, am, I don't believe pain's from God. I don't believe pain is right. What if you decide, I'm not willing to go through pain? Well, then you cannot be the promise of God. Because all his promises he takes through fire to prepare them for their calling. What makes you different? Are you the exception? Okay. I brought another message. It's a super nice one. The 12? You sure? Does anybody relate to pain, to growing pain? Is anybody in the process right now? Feel like you're in the furnace. Thought you wanted out of it until this crazy guy showed up. <laughs> trying to talk you into jumping in. Get in there. Great process for full value. What if your value is on the other side? of some more pain. Put your hand up. Let's go in. Let's not misinterpret pain. Please understand this. The way the pain came may or may not have been from God. But what you do with the pain and who you give it to, he can take the worst thing that ever happened to you and bring the most value out of it. So I'm not saying everything that's bad in your life has come from him. I'm just saying there is no one you can trust with your worst stuff and your most painful stuff. And, and, there is no one that will redeem your pain like him. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Get this. Get this. Get this. Okay, I haven't shared this yet. This is like something I've never seen before. Now, I've always seen that Jerusalem was the call of God and the plan of God and the high place of God to set his temple and his anointing, right? But if you remember, the Jebusites taunted David and said, you'll never come up here. You'll never come up here. You can't have this land. And David, how did he get it? He went through the sewer. Get this, sometimes the only way, the only way up is to go through the sewer. Is to go through stuff that doesn't look good, that doesn't look like the promise, doesn't look like the blessing, doesn't look like all the stuff I got into the kingdom for. But if you're not willing to go through the sewer, you may never get into the promise. All right. That's why Pastor John doesn't want me using notes, because I might get something that I didn't have before. 
You practice what you preach, brother. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Okay, the second, the A, the A in pain is adversity. Great adversity produces full endurance. So you guys know that, like, we got amazing kids. Our daughter, like, wants to be a defense attorney right now, which we're, like, super pumped about. Thank God that God calls people into law. That's not, like, taboo. Oh, girl, sweet baby girl, you need to be a missionary. It's like, what? Go. We're like, go for it. Go be the best defense attorney on the planet. We have a son who's, like, really high-level soccer player. And I'm going to tell this story. He's currently being recruited by the youth national team. He's 14, plays at a really high level. But three years ago, three years ago, this didn't look like the promise. It looked like the sewer. (laughs) He had barely made this team. It was a DA team here in San Diego. And he had these two coaches that were just fierce. And um, it was a Sunday. And I'll never forget this. Um. The game was at 9 a.m., thank God for the 12. (laughs) And it was just one of those games where the wheels came off for Josiah. He wasn't playing well, and the coaches were, like, singling him out. 11 years old, like, they were coming at him, like, like saying things that you don't say to my kid, let alone any kid. And and they were fierce, and it was hurtful, and it was hard. And and he came over with these big crocodile tears at halftime, and he's like, Dad, I I don't think – I don't, I don't think I have what it takes to play on this team. And after watching him for a half, I was kind of in agreement with him. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we have a philosophy in our home is your best is enough, but your best is required. I wasn't asking for the rest of the season. I was asking for... The second half. Can you give your best for the second half of this game? And I was talking to myself too, because I was struggling. It was hard. It's hard to watch your kids struggle. There's not, I'd rather struggle myself a hundred times versus watch my kids struggle a hundred times. Like, and so uh, the second half wasn't any better. It might have been worse. And they were just all over them. Like, like it was really hard to watch. And I went. I went to church afterwards, and we didn't even say a word on the way here. Josiah was with me. It was probably the worst experience he'd ever had, playing a game that's supposed to be fun at 11. And it just felt, to be honest, like we put him in a place that was too much. It just is what it felt like. And sometimes pain feels like that. What am I doing this for anyway? It's not even fun anymore. I've lost all my love for it. There's no more passion. It's, it's, just, it's just hard. And I showed up here, and and Melissa looked at me, she she could tell something was wrong, and the worship was amazing, but I didn't worship. I just stood like a statue, trying to process the pain and the questions, am I a bad father? Is this my dream that I'm trying to live through my son? You know what I mean? Am, am I just, is this, is this going to hurt him? You know, I mean, you, this is, when you're parenting and you're, and there's stuff on the line, you're, you're, you're like borderline crazy and then borderline like wise and it's, you don't know one day which one's which. You're, and you want as a father, the last thing you want as a father is to screw it up, but you feel like you're on the edge. Anybody with me? <laughs> uh, so uh, 
I don't remember who preached. I didn't hear a word. Sometimes you can even be in the right place, but you're going through something. You, you, you're, just, you're just in your own head. I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do. But thank God for these altars. There was a man up here, good friend of mine named Jack Hartman. Jack, we love you, dude. You're such a great friend. Um, it's why it's important to have community. These altars are powerful, but sometimes you need somebody who knows you, who knows your kids, who knows your stuff, who knows your heart. So I went to Jack, and I'm like, here's what happened. And Jack just gets the word of the Lord. Jack knows Josiah's called to something big. He's like, you know, those coaches, I feel like they're only hard on him because they believe in him. You don't want to pull him out of that environment just because it was a hard day. And I remember, like, it was like the words of God. It, it was like, oh, man. And I, it did, listen, listen about the word of God. It's not like it gave me a year's worth of strength to get through the whole season. I had to go back for the second game that day. <laughs> it gave me enough strength to just show back up. So we showed back up. To be honest, he didn't even play any better. Might have been worse. And I think sometimes this is where we get the kingdom wrong. We think that I showed up for prayer and I've been struggling to do this or that. And then the next day, instantaneously, it's like I'm there. Somebody waved their magical wand over me. And now I'm just handsome and my teeth are straight now and I don't stink anymore. And I'm just saying, like, like we have this crazy perspective, like, of, of that, the only thing, that, the way God moves is he just delivers you from difficulty and he gets, he figures everything out for you. It was like, it got harder. But listen to this. This is how good God is, is and why you need God to deal with the things that are borderline where you're not sure. And I would have been fine with whatever God said. It wasn't like I, I was like, God, this is the way I'm going. You must bless me. It was like, God, this is where I'd like to go. But honestly, honestly, Whatever you say, I will do. But he just happened to say, keep him in the fire. I show up there, and we have this policy. Andre, you're probably familiar with this. You're not allowed to email or call the coaches for 24 hours after the game. And I can see why now. Because I had a lot to say. But there's a reason for this. <laughs> the coach approaches me. He says, hey, I know it felt like we were coming down hard on Josiah. I just want you to know we're only coming down hard on him because we see gold in him. We're only coming down hard on him. We don't come down on all the kids like him, but we don't see gold in all the kids like we see in him. Your kid is special. Don't pull him out of this environment. Um, we apologize if it was a little over the top. And it got me thinking, you know, sometimes we think, the only way I'll take correction is if my leader's perfect. If my coach has, what, what if your coach or your leader has a bad day? Maybe they were over the top. Maybe they were frustrated. Maybe they were irritated and they took it all out on you or your son. And what does that mean? You're going to take your kid and go to some safe space where, where the, all the leadership's perfect and everybody loves them? And is that what you need? Is that what you need to, to be successful? You need everybody to love you and everybody to encourage you? That's just not God. What if the thing he needs to develop in us actually comes through somebody who mistreats us and drives us to him? 
to deal with the dross in our heart that got exposed because it was harder than we expected. And it brought up something that I haven't dealt with that was in my sewer line. Wow. I want to be willing to go there. If that's what it takes to take the city, to take the promised land, that I got to have some sewage identified so that I can go into the promise through. So here we are three years later, and if you would have told me that it's been easy and there's been a lot of seasons where I've needed the wisdom of a jack or the wisdom of a friend or the wisdom of my dad and you're trying to navigate high pressure situations and you want you care and you want to do the right thing but it's you don't know every day that's why we have to stay in community and connect group and where, where, where we can get wisdom you know what's interesting on that first scripture I share count it all joy you know what the very next line is right after that it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them come to God so they won't be double-minded or wishy-washy, but they can be resolute in their decision-making. You're going to need to be resolute to stay in pain because I promise you, if, 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 it, if you didn't want out of it, it wouldn't be pain. If there wasn't a part of you that doesn't think it's worth it, it wouldn't be pain. Okay, well, let's get back to the I. Let me ask you this. In this case, what's keeping our son who we love good for him? Was it good for him to be in heart or, or not? Would it have been poor parenting to take him out of heart. You see what I'm, I'm just trying to see. See, he's a better father than I am. Would it be good for him to take you out of something? He loves you. But he's also called to develop you. And he uses pain to do that. Somebody say pain. Okay, let's do the I and then we got to we got, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. I'm just going to put my notes away, man. Who, do, who needs notes anyway? Okay. The next one is great integrity for full capacity. Most of us define integrity as like honesty or faithfulness or truthfulness. But if the real picture of integrity is looking at it through the lens of like an airplane. If an airplane has integrity, that means in turbulent conditions, it can still fly. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to be able to fly in imperfect conditions. I don't want to only be able to make it through life when all the stars align, the wind's at my back. What if the wind is against you? What if everything's against you? Can you still fly? Well, you need God to build your integrity so you can grow your capacity. Capacity is related to your integrity. Let's end with this. We're not going to spend too much time on the I, but I do feel like there's capacity issues that we're facing. 
I feel like a lot of us are up against our own limitations. We were good at this level, but this level, it's not working anymore. And so we're starting to question whether or not it's worth it to go to the next level because I prefer to be successful. It's not like I had nothing going on. It's just I was at a level where I was winning and it feels like going through this ceiling, it feels like losing. And I don't wanna go back to losing, I like winning. I spent enough time losing that I'm finally winning, but now my next level is threatening my winning and making it look like losing, so I kinda wanna stay where I'm at because I'm safe here. But I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna go to the next level and increase your capacity, you're gonna have to deal with that ceiling that's intimidating and anybody with me? Let's get into the N. This is probably the best one, the N, in pain. And it's Jesus' response to pain. Remember Jesus in the garden? Father, this cup, this pain, it's, I don't want it. It's more than I thought, more than I bargained for, more than I even have the capacity to handle. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. You and I need a great nevertheless for a full reward. You're his full reward. He said, nevertheless, your will because he saw you. You're the reward. You and I are the reward of heaven. You're the, you're the, you're, you and I, sons and daughters. He reaped. He sowed himself into the earth to reap you and I who have his same likeness, his same engineering, made in his likeness, made in his image, the second Adam. Not just the first Adam who's like, like Adam in our sin, in our dysfunction, but he actually reaped the second Adam, which is like him in righteousness, like him in the same heart, like him in desiring to do his will, like him in willing to pay the price, like him in saying, I too will surrender. Never the less. You know, I talked about Melissa being the reward. I remember the first time I had to use the word nevertheless. I was just moved home from college. I was 24 years old. Yeah, it took me a couple extra years to get through school. Uh, but I found Jesus there on the beaches of Hawaii. I don't know about you, but when you find Jesus, you still sometimes come home to old stuff. He's in your world, but there's some things that are also there, that were there before he got there. And he's a gentleman. He won't just evict everything. He, you, have to, you have to go into your own sewer line to deal with stuff. You know what I mean? And I remember driving up the 5, I-5, right by Costco in South Center in the Seattle area. I'll never forget this. And I remember God asking me to give up a relationship. It was a girl, my first love, and her name was Betsy. And she wasn't the best thing for me, but she wasn't bad. She wasn't the devil. But I remember God speaking to me and saying, I know you don't understand this. And I know you could find a hundred ways to explain why this will work, but I need you to trust me. You need to end this relationship. And, and I just really want you to understand, I didn't know why, 
it, it hurt. I was scared. I was, I was like, I, it's, it's the best relationship I'd ever had. I was afraid to let go. And, and I think sometimes the hardest thing to surrender is where we are right now, our own comfort, our, our own security. Our, at least, it's not the best thing. It's like the devil I know is better than the angel I know. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't, it's not the healthiest thing, but at least I, I know it. And he's like, what I have for you is this. My reward for you is so much more. But if you can't trust me and surrender in an area as simple as a relationship, how can I bring my best to you? The first time I surrendered, it was a relationship. But when you begin to see what God does with a surrendered life, all the reward, all the power, all the blessing, all the, all the things that you dreamed are always on the other side of surrender. They're always on the other side of you saying yes to his will over your own. He wasn't calling me to be a eunuch. But you know what? You know what? When, you're, when he's asking you to give up something, you think those kind of thoughts. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I'll never find another somebody who loves me. I'll, I'll, that's how you think. He wasn't calling me to be a eunuch. He was calling me to develop me so that I would be ready when the promise came. Oh, come on now. Let's stand on our feet. We'll bring this home. I like the 12. Anybody look at pain a little differently now? Pain's not so bad. Just repeat after me, and I'm going to hand this back to you, Kenny. Father God, I realize you created me. I'm your workmanship, your masterpiece. You created me to work, function, created me valuable. There's deep value in me. I allow you to utilize any means necessary to bring the gold out of me, to bring the full value out of me. Process me. Take me through heatings and beatings. Thank you, Mike Butcher. Say, thank you, Mike Butcher for the beatings. We'll go back to God here. I surrender to the process that develops my value. I want to be valuable. I want to be the promise that God has rewarded somebody with. Whatever you need to do, to develop me to be your promise, do it. I surrender to adversity, to hard coaches, to difficult environments, to imperfect environments. And I allow you to work through all things to develop me. I realize my capacity is a bit lower 
than it needs to be. Enlarge my capacity. Test my integrity. Make me more capable of imperfect conditions so that I can deliver the goods. Enlarge my capacity. And finally, no matter how hard it is, if it's your will, you will get my nevertheless. Because I place your will over my comfort, your will over what I think I need. I trust you and I surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.